Welcome to Unchained, the radio program which addresses the challenges facing Christians today with short, pithy presentations, presenting a vigorous defense for Christianity's claim that the Holy Bible is God's inspired word. This series deconstructs the arguments of evolutionists, anti-theists, atheists, and other enemies of the Holy Bible. Here is your host, Pastor Rod Anderson. I'm Rod Anderson. Over the last 200 years, within Christianity, there has been a growing belief that the Jewish nation still retains the epithet of God's most favoured nation status, along with all the blessings and benefits that it attracts, as per the promises found in the Old Testament. Pursuant to this belief is the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, culminating in the Jews taking the gospel to the world. But where did this teaching come from? Is it biblical? The term used to encompass the messianic revival among the Jews, the rebuilding of the temple, and Israel's evangelistic work to the world is called dispensationalism. But its eschatology is much broader than the Jews and the temple. Its beginnings are usually associated with the Plymouth Brethren movement in the United Kingdom and the teachings of John Nelson Darby in the 1820s and 1830s. This new teaching spread in America through prophecy conferences such as the Niagara Bible Conferences of 1883 to 1897. Interesting, this teaching would have died a natural, undignified death, except for a man by the name of Cyrus Schofield, who was a committed devotee, and he, more than anyone else, gave dispensationalism a second life. In the late 1800s, Cyrus Schofield began work on a Bible commentary that was to popularise dispensationalism in the United States. In fact, when first published in 1909, it immediately found its way into the libraries and curriculum of many theological seminaries in the United States. In 1917, Cyrus Schofield republished his work with a number of changes and was heralded with rapturous applaud. Even today, Oxford Press still prints the 1970 edition of the Schofield Study Bible, and it is still one of the preferred study Bibles within theological seminaries today, not only in the United States, but also in Canada, England and Australia. One writer has said, the Schofield Study Bible has done more to Zionize Christian America than any other thing. What does this mean? Well, simply the eschatological emphasis upon the Jews, Israel and the Jewish temple being rebuilt, which permeates Christendom today, though it has zero support in the Bible, it is the influence of the Skyfield Study Bible and evangelical seminaries which have embraced it, which keeps the teaching alive. However, it is contrary to reason when an individual or denomination instigates or ratifies a doctrine, the foundation of which is erroneous, that somehow the end result will be truth. That is absurd, and any teaching built upon error will also be false, and the dispensationalist doctrine fits the bill. And the New Testament is very clear regarding the Jews and the temple in Jerusalem after Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, we read these words of Jesus. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom is at hand. 
Here, Jesus was referring to the prophecy which was written by Daniel about 600 years before his time. In chapter 9 of Daniel, he finds, we find a prophecy which actually identifies the very year in which the Messiah would begin his ministry and the year he would be crucified. Jesus said that prophecy referred to him and it is found in Daniel 9 verses 24 to 27 which says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and to anoint the most holy, referring to Jesus Christ. Now, to understand this prophecy, we have to remember that Daniel is a prophetic book which is made up of symbols and these symbols all have literal meanings. So let's try and figure out what these cryptic verses actually mean. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon your people. Now, Daniel's people were the Jews. So here we have God giving Daniel's people, the Jewish nation, 70 weeks of probationary time to make an end of sins, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to anoint the most holy. In other words, they as a nation had to change their ways and be obedient and faithful to God. In fact, at the time of this prophecy, Jerusalem was in ruins. Solomon's temple had been destroyed. Thousands of Jews had been slaughtered and even more were taken captive back to Babylon. And why, you may ask? Well, because of their continual refusal to worship God in his appointed way, their unrelenting Sabbath desecration, their sycophantic affair with paganism and their obsession with human sacrifices. In Daniel 9, God in effect is giving the Jews 70 weeks of probationary time to truly live up to the light he has given them. So what does this all mean? Well, how many days are there in a week? Well, there are seven. So if we multiply 70 weeks by seven days, we get 490 days. All right, the Jews have been given 490 days of probationary time. But in Bible prophecy, one day is equal to a year. If we had time, we would go to Numbers chapter 14, verse 34, or Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 6, to support what I shared with you. Please understand this. The day for a year principle is not unique to me. The Jews for over 2,000 years have accepted the year day principle. The Roman Catholic Church since the 13th century have adopted it and the Protestants since the 1500s have acknowledged its relevance. As I said, the year day principle is not unique to me. Therefore, the 490 days are in effect 490 years of probationary time given by God to the Jews. But after their rejection of Jesus Christ, the fruit of which was his crucifixion in 31 AD, the prophecy of Daniel 9, 24 to 27 concluded in 34 AD. In that year, Israel lost that envious status as God's most favoured nation. The Apostle Paul removes any need for further discussion on this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29. We read this. For we are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many as have put, been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew 
nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye are Christ, or if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. Paul is very clear here and asserts that genealogies are no longer important. National identity means nothing. But when a person is baptized into Christ, they become spiritual heirs to Abraham. So who is the chosen nation today? The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 declares the following. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye shall show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. While the Jewish nation in its entirety forfeited the right as the chosen people of God, that is the status of most favoured nation that has ended, the Apostle Peter identifies Christ's followers as those whom this status now rests. And of course, individual Jews can still come to Jesus Christ for salvation. They are not debarred. What then should we make of this dreadful doctrine of dispensationalism? It claims that the Jews will rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 to 38, Jesus declares that the temple in Jerusalem was void of God's presence and protection from that point of time onwards and was left to them as desolate. Notice his fearful declaration. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together? Even as a hen gathereth her chickens unto her wings, but ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Jesus said the temple in Jerusalem was no longer God's house. He called it your house, referring to the rebellious and murderous Jews. Furthermore, Jesus said it was now desolate, meaning no longer would the presence and the blessings of God attend that place of worship and the worshippers' efforts from henceforth would be in vain. In Luke chapter 21, verse 20 and 24, we read this. When ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into the nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. In other words, Jerusalem will never be fully ruled by the Jews again, and the magnificent temple site of Mount Moriah will never host the Jewish temple because the prophecy says Jerusalem will be trodden under the foot of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles fulfilled. And the time in which this refers to, or the time in which the Gentiles' time is fulfilled, refers to the time of Christ's second coming. Jesus is prophesying the eternal ruin of the temple, never to be built again, the loss of Jewish sovereignty over Jerusalem. So in summing up, we see here that Jerusalem will never be controlled by the Jews again and the temple in Jerusalem will never be rebuilt again.
Today, I want to suggest you go to YouTube, type in my name in the title, The Cursed Book of the Bible. There you will find more information on this very important subject. Furthermore, I want to give you a series of 25 Bible reading guides called The Orchard Faith of Jesus Studies, which will open up the Bible to your understanding in a remarkably quick way. And all you have to do is send me an email with your name, postal address and phone number two, info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au. That is info at theorchardmelbourne.org.au or go to our website, theorchardmelbourne.org.au. Go to the tab mark, contact us and follow the prompts and we will mail the study guides to you wherever you are. Well, our time has run out for now. I'm Rod Anderson, and I look forward to being with you next time. Remember, the truth has nothing to fear from investigation. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Unchained. We look forward to your company here next time on 3ABN Australia Radio as we continue this series with Pastor Rod Anderson. Those beautiful harmonies were brought to us by the G'day Sisters and the song My Hope is Built on Nothing Less.